Welcome to the Top Down Photography Podcast, episode 113. I'm Scott Davenport. The topic for today is fitting photography into your non-photography travels. Hi, welcome. Thanks for joining me. I'm glad to be back with you for another chat about photography, this shared passion of ours. And in today's episode, let's take one more step on our never-ending journey of photography. In the previous episode of this podcast, I shared the photo gear I was packing to take with me on a non-photography trip, a family vacation. Well, I'm back from that trip, and I'm happy to report that overall things went quite well. My, my packing plan, it paid off, and I returned with many images I know I'm going to be happy with. Now, there were some things that definitely worked better than others, and also my success in weaving photography into an otherwise non-photo trip was more than just the gear selection. Looking back, it was a balanced combination of gear choices, travel choices, flexibility, and a touch of opportunism. And in this episode of the Stop Down Photography Podcast, I'll share what worked well and what I might change for my next non-photo trip. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with a friend on social media with your camera club. And if you can, leave a rating or a review for the podcast. iPhone or Mac OS users can do that directly in the podcast's app. You can also leave a rating via the web at podchaser.com. Links in the show notes. All right, so integrating photography into your non-photo travels. Yes, you can do it. Uh, let me first recap the gear I took and what got the most use. So I mentioned in the previous episode, my bread and butter setup was my Sony a7R2 body with a 24 to 105 lens. That's my, you know, my walk around lens, versatile. I've got the wide edge. I've got a good amount of reach with it. And you know, the one camera that was with me in most of my travels in my uh, Mindshift Photocross backpack. So a, a small scale backpack, carry the camera, room for a drink and snacks for me and the family. You know, the kit worked out great. The key was being nimble. I wasn't laden down with gear. I was carrying the correct gear. I also brought the 16 to 35 millimeter lens in the second body and that spent most of its time in the hotel safe, honestly. I, I brought it out on a few occasions, usually at the bookends of the day where I might go out on my own. That lens really became far less important on the trip. Now, there were moments I wish I had it, like um, out during the day and there were some extra wide types of shots, like, say, the inside of a church or something like that. But, but that's where... My iPhone filled the gaps. Yeah, I used my iPhone a lot as well on this trip. And during you know your your day tripping around, there's plenty of light. I don't need the extra dynamic range of a Sony sensor, and I could easily toggle between RAW or HIC or JPEG on the iPhone. So scenes where I thought mm, maybe I need that RAW image, you know, I, I can grab that. And the third piece of gear that was awesome to have was the platypod. I mean, there were cases where it was a you know, platypod for the win. It came out often when I needed stability. Uh, one example that stands out in particular, family was out, had an evening meal along the, you know, the river, and 
I wanted to get a slightly long exposure. The light was getting dim. The city lights were coming up. You know, set the platypod up. A couple of moments, and I'm set. And I, I captured you know, a, a great photo. And that platypod takes up next to no space in the backpack. So I was able to bring it with me all the time. And, and it can go where other tripods can't. You know, in interiors of buildings or, uh, you know, the, the underpinnings of, like, covered bridges and things like that. So the, you know, that's kind of the summary of the gear, the three essentials. The A7R II with a 24-105 lens, my iPhone, and a platypod that all comfortably fit in a slim photocross 13-inch backpack. Now, the next factor that helped me fit photography into non-photo trips is really about travel choices. Now, I'm talking about things like where you stay, how you get around, little bit of pre-planning, but let's talk about like lodging first. You know, on this trip, my family, you know, we opted to stay in or near the city centers. We had a lot of uh, uh, like hub and spoke type uh, situations where we're staying in a city, but we're doing day trips outside. So being 10 minutes or so uh, on foot from a central train station or bus station, you know, that was, that was important. And what that did is it gave me a radius to find photo opportunities, particularly for early morning or late evening, you know, after a day of touring is done or before the next day begins, I could easily pop out for some dedicated photography. And that worked out great. I got some wonderful early morning and late afternoon slash evening cityscape work uh, just by virtue of being nearby good photo spots, knowing where you're going to stay and, and doing a little bit of our upfront work like we would always do for any type of photo trip. You know, having those things in your back pocket made it, uh, made it easier to integrate photography into this non-photo trip. And uh, you know, thinking of a you know, sidebar, moons ago, in a former lifetime, you know, I was sent to Sydney, Australia on business and the offices for the company I worked in were in you know, the suburbs of Sydney, you know, maybe 20 minutes or so by train outside from you know, the, the key. And I chose to stay in Sydney downtown. So I had the photo opportunities in the evenings and on weekends. This was a longer business trip. And I was able to find you know, a company-approved hotel at a comparable rate, close, uh, you know, other than closer to the offices. And instead of, you know, having to have a car, I opted to take the trains. And, you know, cost-wise, the company didn't care. Photography-wise, I really benefited. So, you know, having a, if you have a level of flexibility for your location, you know, take a, take a look around at that. But irrespective, do that, uh, that planning around, you know where you're going to stay and what photo opportunities are there within walking distance. Now, another travel choice that comes up is when you're moving among locations. You know, on this family vacation, I had several train rides and boat rides, uh, you know, with the family. And some of these are, you know, the uh, gondolas are really like, you know, kind of like cable cars, like, you know, not quite ski lifts, but uh, they call them gondolas there, you know, funiculars, things that climb you up into the mountains, into the Swiss Alps. And, you know, when you can, you plan your routes to avoid the crunch times. You avoid... You know, the, the peak hours when when people are really going up and down the mountains, you know, 
uh, you know, most folks that are doing their vacations, they're going to get off to a little bit of a later start. You know, they'll have breakfast. Maybe they're, you know, hitting the the various transports. You know, mid morning, start a little bit early. You can beat some of those crowds. And uh, the the example that's coming to mind is, uh, you know, it's almost a, a rite of passage. You visit. Switzerland, you stay in Interlaken, you have to go visit uh, Jungfrau, the you know, type, a uh, you know, tall peak, you know, 3,400 meters or something like that, really up there. And uh, we went a little bit early. You know, we had a little bit of an early breakfast, and we ended up having one of these gondolas to ourselves. Now, this is four people in a, a gondola that would normally hold 30 plus. So this wonderful Know, sky ride up into the Swiss Alps. We're able to walk around in this thing, get all different advantages and, and views. It, it worked out fantastic just because we were willing to start a little bit early. It made that one little change in our travel choice. Uh, another example that comes to mind from this trip is uh, I'll call it like taking the opposite route. Some of the routes are circular. You start at a point and you work your way through a few locations and you know, circling your way back to the same place you started. Uh, there is often a uh, one way that's popular to do it, and then I'll call it like the counterclockwise or the counter way of doing it. And we did that for uh, visiting Mount Pilatus. And so we were against the flow of traffic. It's kind of like if you live downtown and commute away from the city center in the morning, you know, there's less traffic because you're doing the opposite of what most people do. And once again, what did that lend itself to? We were missing lots of the crowds. We would have less folks in these various uh, forms of transport, more flexibility for me as a photographer to move around and do things. So, you know, that little change in the approach to how we made our travel choices really helped the photographer in me get more photos. One other thing about travel choices, uh, when you're on boats or trains, if you can, spring for the first class upgrade. It's usually not too much more expensive, but it's so interesting to see how much of that little bit of bump in the price uh, really acts as almost like a paywall when you're talking about like the web. It's like a paywall where there's far less people do it. And what happens? Well, the first class cars or in the, the boats, they're usually the upper level. They're less crowded. What does that mean as a photographer? Easier to move around, right? You can capture scenery as it's going by. I found this to be especially helpful on boats. You know, a lot of lakes in Switzerland where we were, and you know, so lots of uh, lake cruises. My family's settled in. They're enjoying the cruise. We're in the, uh, the upper deck far less people, I could pop around the boat, go outside, inside, either side of the boat, walk around, very few people not bumping into folks, and taking wonderful photos as beautiful scenery just, you know, floated on by. And if you can't do the uh, first class upgrade on everything, like we couldn't do it on all of our different types of transports, you can go that one extra step and take a look at the route you'll be going along and then decide Nick, what side of the train or the boat do you want to sit on to maximize your photo opportunities. You know, get near that window, you know, be going in the direction that the boat or the train is going so you can see what's coming. You know, that sort of thing, a little bit of that planning there. One more uh, travel choice tip that you can uh, take advantage of to 
work that photography into uh, your non-photo travels. The last couple of things that helped me fit photography into this trip is uh, opportunism and flexibility. Now, opportunism, uh, I'll describe as, uh, I, I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, where in the early morning when most folks want to sleep in, landscape photographer, you know, you get up, you get out early, you get some photos. Same thing, you know, after, uh, you know, uh, near sundown, after dinner, everyone's done for the day. You can pop back out and get, you know, some, uh, some evening photography, that kind of stuff. It also worked out when folks want a mid-afternoon break, you know, uh, been out for a morning of, of touring around in a particular city or something. Well, um, this is helpful if you're staying in an area that's got a good, you know, opportunity for a photo walk. And great, uh, you know, folks want to rest, I'm going to pop out with the camera to do some handheld work. And uh, you could also fit it in as a, almost like a scouting trip for if you're going to go back out later in the evening or the next morning to get, you know, sunset or a little twilight action going on, using those, uh, those you know, photo walks as an opportunity to scout a little bit. One more trick is, uh, you know, you can volunteer to go find a restaurant for dinner and turn it into a photo walk. You'll come back with recommendations on where to eat, and you come back with a few photos in your camera, too. Yeah, another opportunistic approach, I, I mentioned the iPhone, always having a camera with you. Uh, there were a couple of times where I didn't even bring the, the Sony with me. Just Either I was too tired or it just wasn't the right, uh, the right moment for it. And I'll, I'll come back and touch on that in a moment. Uh, you know, and I'm thinking of, uh, you know, you've always got your iPhone. You've always got your mobile phone, your smartphone, and it's a very capable camera. And so having that with you all the time, you still have that opportunity to catch a few things in the moment. I'm thinking of like early in uh, our arrival and most folks, you know, we're fighting jet lag. We're trying to, to snap into a new time zone. And my kids had, had had it for that particular day. My wife and I went out for, uh, you know, evening, you know, light snack, you know, drink along the banks of a river. And all I had was my iPhone and it was really unusually warm. And there were locals swimming in the river and I was able to take the phone out and just get a few, get a few shots, you know, a nice story that I wouldn't have thought to seek out in a city center because I wouldn't think that, you know, swimming in a, a city river would be, would be normal, would be common. And it, it happened to be in this particular town. And that opportunistic thing kind of uh, connects with the other half of this as being flexible. You know, just kind of going with the flow. And now some context here, you know, for uh, for me, my family, I'm the planner in the family. You know, I'll figure out the logistics, the routes, the trains, and then generally the the, the major sites to go see on a vacation. And try as I might to get to get input before uh, before heading off on the trip for some planning. You know, I never quite get it all, and We'll be in a spot, and someone is researching the 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 place we're standing in right now. So, hey, you know, we should go see this thing, or you know, I just saw this beautiful uh, photo of whatever, and on Instagram, and I want to go see that, and you know, we just kind of do that and go with it because it can yield photos that you know, in my case, I wouldn't think to go and seek out. I, I didn't uh, didn't think about these these spots. Maybe it was a new place or a new uh, attraction in a city, and photos would present themselves. A a perfect example of this is uh, we took a 
another, it was a boat cruise kind of thing. And it just stops at a few places before, you know, hitting the, you know, the port of call. And one of the stops had, you know, this, this cool looking castle out on a little peninsula, but it was like a two hour stop in this very small town. I mean, like, you know, 400 residents small. There really wasn't much of anything there except, you know, this particular boat stop. And it turned out there was something else there my family was even more interested in, like this picture-perfect spot from uh, some uh, some sort of a Korean uh, drama show that was really, really popular. And that ended up becoming one of my favorite events of the whole trip. Great memories with the family, enjoying, you know, I got to see my castle, they got to see this dock, and 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 the 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 dock is it's one of my favorite photos of the trip. I think I'll I think I'll make that the photo that goes along with this episode. So uh, you know, you're listening, pop over my website later on and take a look at this photo. This is one that I wouldn't have ever found if uh, I didn't just go with the flow because I wasn't going to subject my family to a a two hour stop in a tiny town just so Dad could take a picture of a castle. And it turned into, you know, just a, a fantastic two-hour block in between, you know, boat stops. So uh, what would I do differently, though? You know, there, there, there are some things that, um, that I brought with me that I really just, I think I should have just uh, either, well, honestly, just left, left home. And, and filters. Filters is one of them. You know, I, I brought the filters, and I could have opted to leave them behind. I think I used the filters once. And I didn't really need them. It could have just as easily said, you know, I'm going to wait 20 more minutes and let the light get dim enough. And then I don't need the filter because it's already dim and I'll get the exposure that I want. But something else that uh, I should have done that I didn't was with my polarizer. You know, um, you've seen my stuff on YouTube or, you know, I'm a, I'm a landscape photographer by trade. So I, I use this, this Hida filter kit, you know, it's a, you know, a ring system, and it's it's very nimble when you're working as a landscape photographer. But you know, it's a it's you know it's a it's a filter system, square things, drop ins. You know, it's not just a, a screw in on the front element. So it's a little more cumbersome to put a polarizer on when you're doing you know handheld work. And what I should have done is just you know I'm sure somewhere in a, in the studio in a box somewhere I've got a screw in polarizer that would be the right you know, a millimeter diameter for my 24 to 105 lens. I should have just put that on that lens and called it good and not, uh, not tried to lug around the, you know, the, the, the larger polarizer with the, with the holder that, um, that ended up just not being nimble enough. And so it ended up staying behind more often than uh, I, I probably would have preferred to have been using it. And I think also I would downsize to a travel tripod. I, I did bring a tripod, and the tripod came out for my evenings or early mornings when I would go out on my own. But even then, I didn't need the stability of my even smaller stature, really right stuff tripod. I could have gone with something that is more of a travel tripod size. You know, like a Peak Design comes to mind. That's um, that's a nice. You know, it's a, it's sturdy enough travel, uh, sturdy enough tripod, but it is really more made for travel. It's much a smaller footprint when you're carrying it around. So that's something I would change for future trips. But the thing with all of this, though, is 
even though I'm weaving photography into this non-photo trip, it's still remembering the purpose of the trip. You know, it's easy for us photographers to get absorbed into our photo world. So temper it all with not forgetting why you're on this particular trip. In my case, the trip was a family vacation first and foremost, and I chose family over photo ops more than a few times. If it's a business trip, you attend to business. It's like anything else in life. You know, you know your primary goals, hit those, and you'll find the opportunities for secondary goals like photos. And so you can still return from a non-photo trip with images you'll be proud of. of studio news for you. I am trying to finalize the 2024 workshop schedule. I'm getting close. I'm looking at three workshops next year. One in February, one's looking like April, and then one in November slash December. And uh, a little, it's a little early to, to, to unveil everything, but a little teaser. One of these workshops is going to be big. I mean, like uh, trip of a lifetime big. So uh, if that's got you curious enough and you want the inside track on my workshop offerings for 2024, get on my mailing list. Head to my main page, scottdavenportphoto.com, and scroll down to the Join My Email Community section and just put in your name and email address. I tell my mailing list folks about workshops before they show up publicly on my website. So you get the first opportunity to sign up. I said, you know, one of these I am really, really excited about, and uh, I, I, I can't wait to uh, to share it all with you. But yeah, get on the get on the mailing list if you're not there already. If you're uh, interested in joining me on a workshop in 2024, and also there is some last minute availability in my Oregon workshops at the uh, end of 2023. This is November. Uh, one space in each workshop. If you're interested in photographing the Central Oregon coast or if you're interested in photographing Bandon Beach and the Southern Oregon coast, again, head to my website. I'll put the links in the show notes for the workshops area. I've got one space open in each of those workshops right now, and uh, I'm really getting excited about Oregon. It's, um, it's, it's, been, it's been a minute since I've been there, and it's been a, a few years since I've been back to Bandon, so uh, I'm, I'm really excited about getting back out there with... Uh, with a few like-minded photographers, some, some great stuff coming in November of 2023. I think that'll wrap it up for this episode. I hope it gave you some ideas about how you can fit photography into a non-photo trip. You know, you, you take travels for a variety of reasons. We're photographers. We want to work photography into our travels. And there are ways to do it where you don't have to sacrifice the purpose of the trip and still figure out ways to get some good photos that you'll be proud of. So thanks as always for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or thoughts about the show, feel free to contact me. And until next time, my name is Scott Davenport. Have fun.